Hi, this is Ashley. And Maggie. And you're listening to The Watering Hole, a place where animals and animal enthusiasts regularly drink. Every episode, we'll talk about different animals and why they're cool, from basic biology to the threats they face and what people are doing about it, all while under the influence. So my favorite is that you were delayed in saying your name because you were drinking wine. It had nothing right, to do right. with the internet connection. I, I was just like ready. You're like, mm-hmm, I'm going to drink as soon as you start talking. I, I I felt that happen as I was starting to sip and then you started talking. And I know I have like 0.25 seconds until I have to say my name. And I was like, oh God, swallow quickly. <laughs> You're like, I can do this. I can do this. It's all right. You, you only missed your cue a little bit. So how are you? How was your Labor Day weekend? It was good. Yeah. So we're, we're actually like pretty, we're only like, we're like one week ahead, which is the closest we've been in releasing things. I'm waiting for it to backfire on us, but um, yeah. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? A pandemic? Right. I mean, my Labor Day weekend was great when my best friends from college got married. So it was this quaint little wedding. Right. Alex, if you're listening, she actually went to school for animal behavior as well. And we have a mutual love of animals and beluga whales, Mm. which is awesome. But it was like, you know, a quaint little quarantine wedding, but it was so much fun. It was great. How about yours? That's great. Um, I had a cookout with my housemates over on the island that we work at in the summer times normally. Uh, I went to a brewery with just me and Argos, and then oh. I went out to dinner with one of my new coworkers. Oh, nice. So oh, it was a good weekend. Nice. Yeah, very nice activities. Oh, um, and I went to the beach up here in Maine, which apparently there ooh. are beaches. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? I just took a shower before this podcast, and I was still like getting sand out of my hair. Let it be known, I went to the beach yesterday. Oh, fun. That's when how I, good I bathe. We had a, there was a little bonfire at the end of the wedding and I showered yesterday. So it was over 24 hours and my hair just smelled of smoke. Like oh. I think all of the hairspray from my hair had just captured oh. all the smoke and kept it. I was like, cool. Mm. Right. And that was fun. But are you ready for our animals? <laughs> I was like, what's that was she the about worst attempt say? at a segue ever. I just—I was it an attempt? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even. It was the worst attempt that ever existed. Uh, well, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, good. I think I'm just excited, and I will say, oh, good. My research was not rushed, but it w- did all happen today. But I feel like okay. I did a good job. So, like, I- I'm just feeling good, you know? Good, good, and it's fresh then. Yeah, it's exactly. And so if you ask me something, I don't know it. It's just because I didn't look it up. It's not that I forgot. Um, okay. Keep that in mind. That's the excuse this time. Yes. All right. Are you ready for your, for your hint? Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I, I wasn't either. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> All right. Your hint is that this is the only venomous lizard native to the United States. Oh, venomous lizard, huh? Um, is it like, does it live in the Southwest? 
Mm-hmm. So I can picture it, but I don't know if it's the right name that I'm thinking of. The horny devil? No. Hmm. Okay. I don't know if I'll get it, even if you give me another hint. I can just tell you. What? I feel like as soon That's as I say up. it. Okay. Um. If I give you a flat name, it's not going to help. I can tell you. Do you want me to tell Those you? Those four it's... years of Latin really served me well. <laughs> I can tell you what it's like close cousin's name is. Okay. But that still probably won't help. <laughs> as soon as you hear it, you're going to be like, oh, it has. I'm going to okay. make that noise. <laughs> it's going to. Here, I'll tell you the second part of its name. It's a monster. Um, <laughs> it was on the tip of my tongue and then it went away. Oh, oh. It scared away. Go on. I'm just doing it. It's the Gila monster. Oh, no. I, uh, <gasps> I think I'm unfamiliar. Wait, really? I, I think oh. so. Say it oh again. Gila monster spelled G-I-L-A monster. Oh, I'm definitely unfamiliar. What really? is this? <gasps> Oh, oh, well, this is so exciting. Okay, so the heel monster. Oh my monster. gosh, the face you just made was adorable. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I love it when I get to teach people new things. Although the pressure is definitely on now. <laughs> <laughs> so the heel monster. Well, I won't know any better, so. This is true. Uh, it's also, so its Latin name is Heloderma sus- suspectum. Sure. And it is the largest lizard native to North sus- American. Suspectum suspectum uh largest lizard native to north america and also the only venomous lizard native uh to the united states there are two venomous lizards in north america so there's also the mexican beaded lizard that's found in mexico Mm. as the name states so there's two of them but really venomous lizards very rare to come by to begin with so its name is uh don't look one up yet because i want to okay I want to describe parts of it to you, and then I want you to, okay. to tell me if it if what you look at is what you are expecting. Okay. So he, the name Heloderma, the Latin name. Um, so Heloderma is a genus of beaded lizards, and what it means is studded skin. So it looks like they're covered in like all of these like bumpies, but like the bumps have order, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what do they look like other than just bumpy skinned lizards? Uh, so they're heavy bodied lizards. They're, they're, they're thick boys. They're very uh, chunky uh, with short squat legs. I remember in uh, school, <laughs> one of my favorite things was we had to like memorize all the different animal orders. And so the order for lizard is squamata. And the way I remembered it was that lizards had squat legs. And uh, these guys really live up to that, um, <laughs> that image. <laughs> That is a fantastic way to remember it. And now I, anytime I see somebody with squatty legs, that's what I'm going to call them. (laughs) You're going to be like, you little lizard man, squamata. (laughs) Is that too judgy? Nah, nah. So they're, yeah, they're these thick, thick bodied lizards. Um, They're covered in these spots, but they're also kind of, they're mainly like a brownish black, but they're covered in these pink orange spots. Sometimes they're even yellow. So they're these like crazy colors and they also have like crazy fingernails. So I'm in, I'm in envisioning, uh, what Halloween movie is it where like the woman just grows with really long fingernails (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Was it the witches? Because the witches, I think they had long fingernails. That was like real doll. I don't. I don't know. 
it, it it might come to me it might not but anyway i'm envisioning like this creepy old decaying woman with like super long fingernails and then like she's woken up oh it's not a halloween movie it's the brothers grim the movie <gasps> oh but i know what you're talking about now that scene is so yeah. freaking creepy you know what's the creepiest it scene is. in there is when the little girl turns into the gingerbread man or the little boy does oh. and then runs yeah, to the yeah, well yeah. and like mm-hmm. eats himself it's it's terrifying. It's a really creepy, creepy movie. Yeah, but but Heath Ledger's in it, so everyone should watch it. But back to Gila Monster. So I said that they are the largest li- lizard native to North America. So how big do you think they are then? They're lizards. Uh, I'm going to say like 24 inches. Oh my God, you're so close. They can grow up to almost two feet, including their tail, like 20 to 22 inches. So they're actually about the same size as Hellbenders. Nice. So I'm sticking with these yeah. like squatty looking animals, apparently. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and on average, they weigh about four pounds. So I want you now okay. to Google a picture because when I tell you that they have beaded skin, essentially, that they're covered in yeah. these dots, I want what it, I want you to think of what you think that looks like, and then tell me if what you Google matches that. Okay, I have a picture in my head. Can Good. you tell me how to spell it again? Uh, G-I-L-A, monster. M-O-N-S-T-E-R. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Maggie was not impressed with that. Oh, I've seen these guys. Yeah, they have. I don't know if it's at um, the National Zoo. They either have them or the Mexican beaded lizard, but they look very similar. But aren't and they crazy? Yeah, I... They're super cool looking. Now, I, I definitely recognize them, and I didn't know that this was their name. That's cool. Yay. Ooh, look well, at that good. tongue. Look. Right? I actually, I didn't even put this in here, but they um, have poor eyesight, and they do, they find a lot of their prey with their tongue. Very Komodo dragon-esque mm-hmm. of putting their tongue out in the, mm-hmm. in the air and just kind of mm-hmm. flicking it around to see what, what they can find. <laughs> How lizards oh do. Yeah, it's lizards. That's it's lizards. That's lizards for you. So where are they? They're found mainly in deserts in southwestern U.S., U.S., United States, mainly Arizona, but they can also, I don't know why I had to clarify the U.S., but they're mainly found in Arizona, but they can also be found in parts of California, Utah, and uh, New Mexico, and then also in northwestern Mexico. Oh, cool. Very, very specific region that you find them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're Obviously, I said they're found in deserts, so they're desert dwellers, which I don't know why I wrote that twice. Um, they live in semi-arid rocky regions, and uh, even though they live in the desert, well, I guess not even though. Unsurprisingly, they spend a lot of time underground and not <laughs> burning in the sun. <laughs> I thought I, I was feeling so good about these notes. Now I'm rereading them being like, what? Ashley, why'd you write the same thing six times? Emphasis for effect. <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you knew, but they live in deserts. <laughs> um, in the United States. <laughs> in, the, in the U.S., also known as the United States. Um, so, I said they're venomous. What does this mean? Tell us, Ashley. So, uh, funnily enough, I scrolled past the meme today um, about... So, I follow um, ecological... Was it? Wild green memes for ecological fiends. It's a it's like an ecology meme page, which is great if you love animals. <laughs> so there's one, and it's there's also a picture involved. But first, the, the the writing is very helpful. It says, if you bite it and you die, it's poisonous. 
if it bites you and you die, it's venomous. But the best was it was a picture, so the venomous was a snake, and then the other one was a frog with a bite mark out of it. (laughs) And I was like, why didn't you do like a mushroom? Uh, it was great it is funny <laughs> um, but yeah so these guys are venomous so like if you just touch them you're not gonna i mean don't do that but you're not it's not gonna pull, you're not gonna get sick and die um mm-hmm, it has mm-hmm. to actually bite you um there Chomp. is some folklore surrounding them they've been accused of spitting vemin vemin <laughs> sorry They've been, I've had half of a beer. <laughs> They've been accused of spitting venom, leaping several feet into the air to attack, stinging people with their tongue, and killing people with gusts of poisonous breath. So, so I uh, I've been watching a lot of Avatar: The Last Airbender and oh, The so Legend good. of Korra lately, uh-huh. and so I'm just imagining the way you've just described this folklore as a creature from one of these series oh <laughs> just yeah. like in anime form just kind of like darting through the screen with the wind lines behind it uh-huh. <laughs> you know <laughs> oh i know exactly what you're talking about and apparently whoever wrote this folklore was thinking the same thing because this is not <laughs> at all what these guys do and i'll kind of get into the fact that they are not leaping several feet into the air um to attack people <laughs> And while I do have pretty powerful venom, it's actually, uh, it's super painful to get bit by a Gila monster, Um, Mm. but there's never been, there's no record of a human death from uh, a Gila monster bite. It's going to be painful mainly because they bite you and they don't let go. And that's kind of the biggest problem is that they have really powerful jaws. Uh, Well, snakes will inject their venom with their, their fangs. Uh, Gila's will latch onto their victims and then kind of chew on them what to allow the neurotoxins to move through grooves in their teeth and into the open wound so the main thing is that they're gonna they're gonna latch on for a while and they're gonna like just gnaw and gnash right and gnaw. <laughs> and <you're seeing> like, <laughs> yeah so you actually you pointed out something that i was curious about and that was do they have teeth because i oh, think yeah. of lizards and i you don't I think don't of lizards always, with teeth always think of teeth yeah i think I think the thought of lizards with teeth, teeth is upsetting, but it's also, I think, I think all lizards have teeth, but they're just very, they're very small. Yeah. Yeah. You don't often see lizards smiling. They don't show off their pearly no, whites. They're not, they're not big smilers, <laughs> but I think it's important to think about. I also, there's something about really small teeth that bothers me. You know, I have like oh. a huge fear of mice yes. and like tiny mice teeth is really a big part of why mice bother me. Yeah, don't like that. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't like small teeth. Like, I want to see the teeth. I want to know where they're coming from. I don't want small teeth. <laughs> so so let me ask you this. Death by a grizzly bear or death by a thousand mice? Oh, my. Grizzly bear, 100%. Like, easily. <laughs> the thought of... Okay, you know the, the show Fear Factor? Yes. I could do, like... This isn't true, but... I was like, I could do anything on Fear Factor. But like when they have like spiders put on them or like tarantulas, same mm-hmm. thing. Um, <laughs> tonight's episode, Ashley just repeats herself. <laughs> but like all of those things I like could do. But if they were like, we're putting a rat or a mouse on you, I'd be out of there. I'd be like, I will give you money so I can leave. <laughs> it's the worst. Oh my God. 
So now I've got a round of fact or fiction for you, Maggie. Yes. Oh, God. We're going to do this true or false, truth or dare, fact <laughs> well, or fiction. Well, I was like, should I do truth or dare? Because I know that, nope, that's not it easy either. Aha, gotcha. Truth or lie? False. True Damn or false. It. True or false. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, should I do true or false? Because we know Maggie struggles, but we're going to let you struggle because clearly I am too. So we're in this yeah. together. Let's do it. All right. So fact or fiction. Gila mm-hmm. monster skeletons have the same bumps on their bones that they do on their skin. Fact. Yeah. And it's crazy. So you should also look up a Gila monster skeleton. So the bumps are called osteoderms. Osteo means bones. So they're actually these bumps on the skin. On. Oh, whoa. Right. Isn't it crazy? Sorry, that was so loud. Oh my gosh. That is cool. My sister told me this in the car, which is why Gila monsters have been on my mind. And I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh wait. What? This was way cool. Why? Uh, I underreacted. Um, <laughs> but it's super cool. But good job. One point for Maggie. All right. Fact or fiction. Gila's spend up to 75% of their lives in underground burrows. True. Fact. Well, this was kind of a cheater. It's fiction because they spend up to 95% of their lives underground. Ah, blast. That was cheating. I'm so sorry. But yeah, they spend a lot of almost their entire lives underground, only emerge to feed, maybe bask in the sun and to mate once a year. Oh, so Um, they like to do it out in the open. That's a good. I think actually, I think so. I don't know. Those exhibitionist lizards. Right. Disgusting. (laughs) Um, So indecent. All right. Well, you're one for two, but I tricked you up there. And that was, that was, that was on me. All right. Fact or fiction. Gila monsters eat as few as 10 big meals a year. Say it again. Gila monsters eat as few as 10 big meals a year. So like for the whole year, they only eat 10 yeah. meals. Uh, I'm going to say true to an extent because they probably eat less. Did you catch on to what I was doing by just changing the numbers? You are right. It is fiction. They eat as few as three big meals um, a year. So they can just eat three times and be good for the entire year, which is... That's incredible. Friggin' insane. Like, wow. I eat three years a... Three years. I... I eat three meals a day and it's not enough. <laughs> I eat three years worth of food a day and it's not enough. <laughs> exactly. Um, but in one meal they can eat. One website said, oh, I scrolled too far. One mo- website said they can eat up to one third of their body weight and in one meal. And another one said 50% of their body weight. Either way, that's a lot of food. Nom, 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 nom. They're hungry babies. All right. Fact or fiction, Gila's, Gila monsters can store fat in their oversized tail between meals. Probably they can, but I also think they have like big cheeks, so they probably store it elsewhere too, right? Maybe? I don't know, I'm going to say true. Fact. You're right. Fact. Yeah, so they st- store the fat in their tails and it allows them to go months between meals because they just live off that fat. Wow. And I guess I should probably say what they eat. They're carnivores. They mm-hmm. prey mainly on bird eggs and nestlings, rodents, frogs, lizards, insects, centipedes, words, 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 they feed on words. They're big bookworms. <laughs> they love to read. All Gila monsters are librarians. 
Um, Ashley, this is so good. <laughs> what am I? What is wrong with me? Uh, this is what happens when I think I'm on top of my game. Uh. I love that you preface this episode with like, I'm so excited and prepared. <laughs> I'm prepared with the facts. I'm not prepared with the prepared words. With the speaking. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Also, they usually swallow their food whole. So, fun fact. Nope. I'm not done. I still have three more factor fictions. I, got, I may have gotten carried okay. away. You're doing great. I don't remember your score, but you're winning. <laughs> Factor fiction. A synthetic version of a protein found in Gila saliva is used as a treatment for diabetes in humans. Definitely true. That is correct. It is a fact. Um, I don't have a lot more information other than, isn't that really cool? <laughs> <laughs> it was like a fun fact on the website and I was like, I yeah. could dig into this more, but I got nah. I'm running out of Take time. It at, <laughs> take it at face value. <laughs> All right. Uh, fact or fiction, Gila monsters are very fast. Yeah, I bet they are. Fact. Wrong! Um, Damn it! So they're notoriously very slow. Um, <laughs> they they walk really awkwardly. They kind of raise their tail up to balance um, themselves, oh. but they kind of like lumber along. My favorite was one website described them as slow, but that they keep at it. Like, they're not going to stop moving, but it's going to take them a while to get where they're going. Oh, my gosh. Um, They are pretty good climbers, however. They can climb cactuses to get bird eggs, um, which I think is pretty cool. They just do it slowly. And their their top speed is 1.5 miles per hour. Wow. So the element of surprise is not their strong suit. No, it is not. Um, They are not. They're very much got to sneak up on on their prey which is i think is why they forage for a lot of bird eggs because they're not moving very fast <laughs> they're like um, i might be able to get there before it hatches <laughs> right all right this is your last factor fiction this is you're bringing home the bacon although i think you got most of them right are you ready okay <clears throat> factor fiction gila monsters sound super scary oh this one's hard because their name is monster so you would think yes but I can't think of any lizard noise. So um, I'm going to say no. You're wrong. Damn it's it. opinion, though. <laughs> it is an opinion that this is a fact. <laughs> I just sent you a link, and I can include it as well. So they have – they don't make a lot of noise, but they will hiss to scare off predators before they bite. Oh, that sounds like um, one of Steve's cats. And it's very scary to think of a lizard doing this to you. Why is it huffing at me? Right? <laughs> so the behavior is actually called gaping. And they just kind of open their mouth and they're like, <sighs> you know. <laughs> I once had a hamster that made this noise at me, which is, again, why I don't like small rodents. Yeah. Ooh. But right? <laughs> so mainly opinion, but isn't that pretty freaky? I don't like it. It is. It is kind of freaky. The huffing, the huffing is what gets me. Yeah. It's like, why, why are you, are you trying to blow my house down? Like what's going <laughs> so, on? Well, well done, Maggie. Congrats. Your um, reward is your wine that you're drinking. Which I'm out of. I'm going to have to get <gasps> some more. All right. Well, I'm almost done. So don't worry. Oh. So I'm going to talk just a little bit about their social lives. Cause currently, I mean, they're mainly solitary, but they still have a more interesting social life than mine right now. Um, so they have a very loose social structure. Hashtag Corona. 
they occasionally will share shelters with other Gila monsters, but again, they're generally solitary. Males, however, do compete for mates. They engage in choreographed wrestling matches, which I just love that idea that they're like the like WWE, like let's do this move, and then the big one just ends up winning. Like that's how mm-hmm. it goes. It's all for show. <laughs> they breed in early summer, and during the the breeding season. The female will dig a hole for the eggs and then covers them, but doesn't dig them very deep because then the sun will incubate the eggs for about four months. Little tiny babies will will, uh, hatch, and they literally look like many adults. Wow. They're just like tiny, tiny gila monsters. Um, (laughs) And to quote one website, the hatchlings are ready to begin life on their own. No training required. (laughs) (laughs) Have at it, instinct. (laughs) Right? So what are the threats to these beautiful, crazy, unique beasts? They're not really beasts, but still. So mainly human encroachment. So when land is cleared for agriculture, canals, roads, and highways, it's going to disrupt. It's not even a word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Disrupt Mm -hmm. where they live. Dogs and cats can also be a threat as well. Even though Gila monsters do bite, that's not their Mm -hmm. first line of defense. Because venom is costly to produce, so mm-hmm. they don't want to bite first. They'll do that hissing thing and stuff, but there's still plenty of dogs that are bigger than a Gila monster and can take a Gila monster mm-hmm. out. Climate change, also a big factor. Although they live in dry deserts, the warmer and drier an environment gets is not good for Gila monsters or mm-hmm. really anything because, you know, you still, like, need water. They are IUCN red-listed as near-threatened, so they're not doing the worst. They're not doing the best. Right. In 1952, they were the first venomous animal in North America to be given legal protection. Say that one more time for, uh, say that again. For you? Because <laughs> you weren't listening? <laughs> yeah, because I was Googling. In 1952, the Gila monster became the first venomous animal in North America to be given legal protection. Wow. That's right? really impressive. Isn't that cool? So what can you do? There, I mean kind of the main the normal things you know to just protect our planet but if you live near saguaro national park (gasps) am i saying it right there's a lot of gila monsters there you can check out the gila monster project it was started i think in like 2008 by some biologists and a a lot of it's like if you see a gila monster and you without you don't have to get close to it but to take a picture and like cite where it is and you can kind of contribute Mm -hmm. to this database and research cool um, wow gila monsters so shout out to my sources, National Geographic, the Smithsonian, San Diego Zoo, Desert Museum, Wikipedia, and the National Park Service for all of the great information about Gila monsters. Whoa, that was so cool. I learned about a new animal. Right? And I think if, if you ha- didn't have the opportunity to Google them earlier, Google what they regularly look like, but definitely Google their skeleton because it's, it's otherworldly. It's so cool. It's really neat. It's like modern day Jurassic Park type stuff. Yes, yes. That's why we love our lizards. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get some more wine. Do it. Do it. Okay, I'm back. So, um, do you ever do you ever get nervous when you have to go second because you're like, oh, God, I've had too much to drink? Um, sort of. Is that what you're feeling? Yeah. Well, here, I don't think that. And then I listen to the episode and then I'm like... <laughs> hearing my responses during like your half and I'm like oh oh I think I'm drinking too much and then I'm editing it like shaking my head the whole time <laughs> so I'm excited for this but isn't that the point so are you ready to guess yeah 
Super. Um, well, then here is your first clue. This animal is known locally in the areas in which it is native to as the boto. Oh, it's the Amazon River dolphin. Yeah. Which are the earrings that I am wearing and that you commented uh, on earlier. I did. I don't want to look too close, but I do know that boto is what they're, they're also called. But then I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh, I think she's doing a fish. And now it makes sense that you are doing, in fact, a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a um, weird looking dolphin. So. It is a weird looking dolphin. So it is a freshwater dolphin. If you are unaware of what the boto or Amazon river dolphin is also known as the pink river dolphin. It's the largest of the freshwater dolphin species. I wrote in my notes, who knew? Because I didn't know that there are more than one species of river dolphin. How many are there? So I found different sites saying four or five. And then there's a lot of subspecies. Yeah. I was going to guess two. So I was wrong. (laughs) <laughs> so there are a couple in like the Ganges River mm-hmm. in India. That was um, the only other one I knew. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one, I think in the Mekong, maybe. Okay. Um, and then, a, like I said, a couple subspecies yeah. in South America and whatnot. So they look like a dolphin, but they have a more bulbous noggin, kind of like a beluga. Uh, you know how I feel about bulbous noggins. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Somewhere out there, there's a caveman listening, and he's just like, and he's the one for me. (laughs) And then, in addition to that noggin, they have a longer, skinnier mouth or beak. Ooh. Also, they don't have a dorsal fin, they just have kind of a, a bump on their back, and they don't need it. They don't need a dorsal fin, which is kind of fun. I'm sure a lot of people who are familiar with dolphins and whales have noticed that, like, Orcas and dolphins have dorsal fins, but then some of those bigger baleen whales don't really have dorsal mm-hmm. fins. They do, but they're super tiny. And that's actually because the fast moving cetaceans have it, and, and fish as well, because it stabilizes them when they go fast. Oh. And it prevents them from rolling when they make sharp turns. Oh, see, like I knew because I know like belugas don't famously do not have a dorsal fin, but that's because they're often under ice. And so if it hits the Mm -hmm. ice, like that's not helpful. They're also slow. Mm -hmm. So that also that checks out. But um, that's so interesting. I didn't know that. Isn't that a cool fact? I was proud of myself for actually looking it up rather than just reading it and being like, okay. Okay. So like what I did, I feel that. It's all right. (laughs) That was a little hit hit to me, but it's fine. We're moving on. No, no, that's, it's a hit to myself because that's, that is usually how I am. I'm usually not skeptical enough. Um, (laughs) So these dolphins get up to about 350 pounds or a little more, which is just over 200 and 200 kilos. They can be up to nine feet long. That is around 2.7 meters. So can you give me this in terms of chihuahuas? Because that's the only way now that I can understand the size of animals. Sure. So if they are 350 pounds, oh dear God, I would have to do the math. I'm just going to round up and say 400 chihuahuas. That sounds about right. And then in terms of length, nine feet, let's say each chihuahua is maximum 10 inches long. Um, What would that be? Nine Mm. plus chihuahuas, nine and a half chihuahuas. We're not going to half the chihuahuas here. Let's do 13 (laughs) chihuahuas. I think that sounds good. Perfect. Math is not my strong suit, as most people can probably now 
tell. That was, pre- that was pretty good. <laughs> Chihuahua math, I think, is what your, your strong suit is not. No, it's not. I'm I'm better at uh, measuring in penguins. Ah, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> throwback. <laughs> it's such a throwback. <laughs> so these dolphins are born gray, and they have varying degrees of pink to their skin. Now, we're not entirely sure why they turn pink, but it's likely based on diet or the <laughs> fact that their capillaries are close to their skin. Their capillaries are their blood vessels. Ooh. And it has to do with the amount of sunlight they get. Some... Some of them just have pink spots. Males are often pinker uh, to attract females. Pink can uh-huh. be manly, fellas. Capillaries being close to the skin actually helps with heat exchange. It's in mm. something called thermoregulation. Ooh, I don't actually know um, that we've talked about thermoregulation. So we haven't, and that's as much as I researched. Oh, that's fine. Full stop I, ends there. I feel like thermoregulation is like comparable to like when you're sleeping and you get hot and you put one leg outside of your blankets. That's like that's a great analogy. I feel that that's know. correct enough. Right. That's the that's the general idea. Mm-hmm. Very very general. <laughs> next time, next time you all are sharing a bed with someone, and you just have to like get one leg out, and your significant other or friend is just like, "What are you doing?" Just be like, "I'm thermoregulating." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be confused but impressed. So yeah, therm- thermoregulation is is pretty cool. But further about their their basic biology, they communicate by whistling, which is what a lot of dolphins do. Beyond the basics about these animals, we're really data deficient, and that's because they live in the Amazon River, which is already a hard enough rainforest to penetrate and explore. There are so many thousands of species left undiscovered, so we really don't know a ton about them. We do know that they don't travel in groups like oceanic dolphins. It's pretty hard to do that in a river, presumably. Hmm. Sometimes they'll be seen feeding in the same area in groups of like around 30 or so, but that's just because they happen to be there at the same time. They're not actually commingling. Yeah. But also like there, there's the regular Amazon River, right? But then in the rainy season, it <laughs> floods. <laughs> I'm talking as if like... You know the Amazon, right? <laughs> You've heard, right? <laughs> the Amazon or the Amazon River, as it's also known. I told you, I get nervous when I have to go second and I've had too much to drink. <laughs> <laughs> if it helps, I did something similar when um, I had like two sips of beer. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so, so, great. so, you got yeah, the Amazon great. River, right? Got it. I've located myself. That is until the rainy season. <laughs> the rainy season. How's that spelled? S-I-Z-Z-O-N. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God, I'm having a hot flash. So during the rainy season, when the, <laughs> when the river floods over, there are many tributaries and offshoots everywhere. And the dolphins take advantage of this expand, expanded territory and they can swim easily through the trees. <gasps> very oh, cool. So cool. So because it's very narrow and there and the water is also very murky because it's muddy and it's not an actual river like it's it's bringing mm-hmm. up all the sediment that was on the forest floor. The dolphins have to be able to see where they're going, but if you google these guys, they have really tiny eyes. So what do you think <gasps> they are using? Do they echolocate? They sure do. Oh, I feel like if you combined a 
um, a beluga with an axolotl, you get a boto. <laughs> yep, that's Am it. Am I wrong? I'm right. Mm, that's why that because there's pink axolotls oh and they God. have like no eyes. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, a beluga, a beluga, a beluga axolotl baby. Yeah, it's a beluga. Axolotl. Bloxolotl. Bloxolotl. Bloggle. So that's that's why they have these big bulbous heads. It does help them to echolocate or use sonar to navigate their way through the trees. Also, oh, so fun cool. fact, they don't have a fused neck vertebra or or vertebra throughout their their back. So they can turn their heads at a 90 degree degree angle, unlike other dolphins. They're so much like belugas. I can't handle it. It's pretty nifty. I know. <gasps> They're oh, like the so cool. they're like the warm weather version of belugas. Exactly. Oh my god, so cute. The summer version. So when you think about how dolphins when they turn to look at something, they look like they've slept on their neck wrong, so their whole body will turn with them. Whereas mm -hmm. the river dolphin can just be like, you know, Ooh. like Scooby Doo. Mm -hmm. I like it. So in terms of what they eat, yummy, yummy time is what I wrote in my notes. They eat fish, turtles, and shellfish. Their long beaks help to snoot around in the muck at the bottom of the river. Is that a technical term to snoot or? Sure is. Yes. I like it. Snooty. Can you imagine playing snoot with a pink river dolphin? A snoot a game? It's the thing you do with your dog when you say snoot. And they put their nose oh, in your face, I mean, gotcha. in your hands. <laughs> well, some do. Mine doesn't. He doesn't like that game. He doesn't understand it. Does our girls? No, definitely not. <laughs> um, they are most active during the daytime. And then let's get into some sexy time. Mm. Males will, as I said, sometimes be pinker. And that's to attract a female. But obviously, in order to impress a female, they will often offer branches or other items they have found on the on the river floor, riverbed. I love it. Love it. Some have even been spotted courting by by holding a turtle in the air to show off. <laughs> I love that their language is gift giving. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> their love language is gift giving. <laughs> I I envisioned it more like showy than that. Like, look at me, look at me. I got a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> look what I found, guys. Like holding it in the air. That just seems so obnoxious. <laughs> right? You'd be like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> um, females give birth to one calf after about 11 to 15 months of gestation. That sounds awful. And then the calf will stick around for about a year. <laughs> that checks out. Yeah. So... The bodo is often found in Amazonian folklore, and mm -hmm. I'm sure some of you have heard of it in, in some of these legends and myths. For example, some of these tri the Amazonian tribes believe this animal to be magical, having the ability to come ashore and impersonate a human. Some legends even say that he would come out of the water and like would have to wear a straw hat or something to hide his blowhole. And then he would seduce oh, yeah. local women. <laughs> Duh. Um, other, other legends say that if you went swimming alone, the Bodo might pull you underwater and take you to an underwater city. 
Mm. Probably just caiman. <laughs> That's just getting eaten by a caiman. <laughs> they just wanted to have a nice little explanation for uh, the now orphaned children. That was real dark. Um, this You might not have an answer to this question, and this is just my musing. So you know what garials are? Nope. They're this kind. They're this crocodilian with really, really long snouts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but I don't know if they live in the Amazon because I was gonna say it'd be interesting to to know if that was like having that like longer beak or snout is beneficial to living in a river. That's just my musing. I don't know have any information. I I don't either, but I would suspect it is because a lot of the animals that we've discussed have long noses for digging. Like get yeah, yeah, like getting in between things. Yeah, and stuff. I'm thinking back to like the yeah. kiwi bird is the first thing to come mm-hmm. to mind, but I'm sure there are others. Mm-hmm. So, in in Amazonian folklore, they are revered and respected these botos, but humans are still the biggest threat. The dolphin is hunted <sighs> to serve as fishing bait, or it'll get caught in fishing <sighs> nets. It is IUCN red listed as endangered, but as I mentioned earlier, and and similarly to many Amazon species, we don't have enough data to actually know how their populations are doing because they're they're a pretty niche, rarely found animal in the first place. So we just can't be sure. But because most of the Amazon is endangered, it's it's entirely <laughs> probable that these animals are as well. So, you know, I think we're at the point in our podcast where we often are now repeating a lot of the same conservation things that everybody yeah. do. And that is be aware of the things that you're buying and where they're coming from. Support industries that are choosing sustainable practices and can like prove it or back it up with something. And mm-hmm. and donate money to conservation organizations that are on the ground, not just necessarily raising awareness, but ones that are like working in policy and in country trying to preserve and protect different lands. I think that those are like some of the key takeaways that you and I are always mentioning, right? Like yeah. it's kind of similar across the board. Whatever your whatever animal you end up liking. You could probably mm-hmm. do a lot of the same similar things to help others. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things I learned when I started like working in, in conservation is that it's all about like protecting the animals, but the big part of it is helping and supporting the local people mm-hmm. and that they're kind of on the front lines of what's happening in and all over the world, but especially in the Amazon, supporting local people and knowing what's going on with their communities mm-hmm. is really important to, to help preserve well, the world but also especially the Amazon. And and in that, in supporting the people, like they are the ones that know how to take care of the habitat, right? Like, Oh, yeah. So it's all connected. In the great circle mm-hmm. of life. I just heard Mufasa. Me too. That was an amazing impression. Thanks, James Earl Jones. <laughs> so that, that really just wraps up the Bodo or Amazon Pink River Dolphin. Thank you for taking this ride in my canoe down the Amazon, also known as the Amazon River. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, well done. I love that you came prepared and dressed for the occasion. <laughs> I did not wear my Gila monster jewelry, but I need to find something. That's for sure. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, 
So just a reminder, folks, though we are animal enthusiasts, we're not scientists. So please don't cite us in your academic papers. Do your research. I think this podcast alone was evidence of that. We just want you to get excited mm-hmm. like we are, whether these animals' saliva are providing a cure to something or whether they're just plain cool. <laughs> this is true. Maybe you also found a, a new animal today that you had never heard of. See? That's I, always the best part. It kind of is, actually. That's why we're here. I remember when you brought up that turtle that I didn't know about, the Mata Mata. I still think about it all the time. Well, actually, then next week I have something that I bet you have never heard of. I'm really excited. Stop. Mm-hmm. Is that, can that be our challenge? We have to find animals that, well, I mean, I guess I already won, but we can do it again. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's try to pick animals that the other is not going to know about. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, I already know what I'm doing. I'm writing it down. Wow. Well done. Did you just pop out a dry erase marker? Yeah, I've been playing with it throughout this episode. Um, cool. So glad you were listening. It's green, just like fiddling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> anyway, so you, you were gonna say something. I, I might have. If you guys enjoyed listening to us, then give us a follow over on Instagram. We're at the Watering Hole Pod. We also have an email address and a website, thewateringholepod.com. And yeah, give us a review wherever you're listening, so that we can reach more animal enthusiasts and help them get excited too. So thanks for joining us. Tune in next week, I guess, because we're doing this live uh, when we learn about more animals, their biology and habitat, the threats they face, and what people are doing about it. If we did this live, the episodes would be like hours long. Hey, we started recording like not that long ago. Bye. Oh, God. So long.